Turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel tonight. We'll be in 1 Samuel chapter number 15. 1 Samuel chapter number 15. And I want to bring a message tonight that I believe will be a help to us as we look into 1 Samuel chapter number 15. I am going to take the time to uh, read the entire chapter tonight, all 35 verses, and a little, much, a little bit more than I normally would read, but there's so many uh, wonderful uh, reminders, warnings, truths in this chapter that I think it would benefit us uh, to read all 35 verses. And besides that, you owe me six minutes from the service this morning. You may have forgotten, I have not. Uh, so 1 Samuel chapter number 15, and we'll begin reading verse number 1 down through the end of the chapter. You follow along as I read. Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. And Saul gathered the people together, and numbered them, and tell them two hundred thousand footmen, and ten thousand men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek, and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said unto the Kenites, Go, depart, get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For ye showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest to Shur that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuse that they destroyed utterly. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and, and behold, he set him up a place and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Samuel just wasn't going to accept what Saul said just because Saul said it. And in verse 15, And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. The Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to
to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For the rebellion is as of the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin, and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord. This is interesting, verse 26. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. And also the strength of Israel will not lie, nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. And he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now. I pray thee before the elders of my people and before Israel, and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord thy God. So Samuel turned again after Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. Then said Samuel, Bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came unto him delicately, and Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, As thy sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house to Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. I want to draw, we're going to look at several things here, but I want to draw your attention to two places in this passage of Scripture before we pray. I want you to look, first of all, in verse number 17. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? Verse 23, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. As a pastor, I'm aware that the Bible describes the pastor of a church as the shepherd. The shepherd has responsibilities to make sure that the sheep are getting fed. Fed on the word of God. The shepherd has the responsibility to... Lead the sheep. Lead them to where God would have them to go. The shepherd has the responsibility. It's one of the joys that I have as a pastor to when the sheep get wounded, the sheep get lost, the sheep get uh, hurt, to uh, use the word of God and have the spirit of God do a work and to look after the sheep and care for the sheep. And the another role, and it's the one that I'm going to take as the pastor tonight, the Shepherd is also the protector. I love taking the word of God and us all being helped by the word of God. But it's also my responsibility to protect the sheep. And tonight's one of those messages where I'm going to preach so that to protect the sheep. Uh, I make no bones about it. I'll die. The shepherd will die for the sheep. The shepherd will fight for his sheep. I've lost friends because I fought for this church. I've lost associations because I fought for this church. And tonight, I want us to listen to what God has for us from this passage of Scripture and us be uh, aware of the enemies and enemies that will certainly 
hurt us. I want to preach tonight on this subject, and I'll get my six minutes back, but I won't take much more than that. I'm going to preach on this subject. You can't trust a rebel. You can't trust a rebel. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight as we let your word speak to us and minister to us. Father, I'm aware that we have an enemy. We have an adversary, the devil, who wants to destroy us. Uh, The children who are in the service tonight, the children who are in the nursery, he hates them. He wants to destroy them if they've yet to receive Christ. He wants to uh, hinder them from ever receiving the gospel. Every home that's represented in the room tonight, the devil wants to destroy them. Father, may we realize that if we do not completely depend on you, there are things that can creep into our own heart. There's pride that can swell up and and keep us from a relationship with you. Father, I pray that tonight's message would serve its purpose. And Father, you know the amount of weeks this has sat on the corner of my desk, hoping that the time would come where this would just pass. But Father, I pray that tonight you would use the message uh, to be a help to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We look at this passage of Scripture, and Saul is an interesting character. He's a sad character in Scripture. The Bible tells us there was a time when he was goodly. He was better than all the other young men. There's a reason why God chose him to be the first king. Everything that Saul possessed is what you would want to be in a king. Saul is a sad story because he started right and he finished poorly. He did not finish the way he started. Let me remind all of us, it's important to start right. It's important to be on the right path. But we need to be on guard. Just because we start right doesn't mean we're going to finish right. And Saul is a sad, sad story. But if you study the life of Saul, it is very easy to see where Saul got off track. It is very easy to see how, if we're not careful, we will replicate the same mistakes that Saul made. The Bible tells us there's nothing new under the sun. The devil doesn't use any new tricks. He doesn't have anything new that that he uses. The same thing that was used against God's people in the days of the Bible, the same thing that he uses against us today. Matter of fact, the same thing God's people held to uh, in the power of God in the day of the Scriptures, the same thing we have available to us today. It would do us well to look at the mistakes of others so that we do not replicate them. Let me just say, no matter where you sit today, it's a quick fall to the bottom. Saul had the favor of God. Saul was anointed that first king. Saul fell out of favor, and it's an easy progress to see. I want us to look at what took place. We saw this in verse number 17. When thou was little in thine own sight, Saul had a pride problem. If you read this, the Bible, which I would highly recommend, and you think of how many times the Scripture warns us about pride. There, there, pride is the enemy of everybody in here. You know what will keep you out of, out of fellowship with God? It's your pride. You know what keeps you from humbling yourself? It's your pride. We all have a tendency to be full of ourselves. We get to a certain place because of the blessings of God, because of obedience to Scripture, and we start to think it's because of us and not because of God's favor. 
We think it's because of us, not because of what God has done. Uh, the life that you used to live, now that God has changed you and cleaned you up and salvation has, has changed you from the inside out, let's be reminded it's not you, it's the work that God has done in each and every life. It is Him. But if we're not careful, we'll get to a place where we think it's because of us. And it's, it's, oh, I made those decisions, and I had the character to do this. And you should have character. I'm for character, and I'm for making the right decisions. I preached on that this morning. But it is by the grace of God, we have what we have. We become what we become. It's the work of God in us. But you need to be very, very careful. They can get a place where we forget where God brought us from. Saul got to a place where he was disconnected from where he started and where God brought him from. He had a pride problem. That pride went unchecked in what was the product in verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Saul was a rebel. We find in this chapter, it's an interesting chapter. It's a sad chapter, but it is, it is certainly a chapter that keeps my attention. You have a dialogue between Saul and Samuel. Another way of wording is, is you have an argument between Saul and Samuel. Well, how, how, how far Saul had gone to sit at his feet now arguing with the man of God. Now, telling the man of God where he's wrong and, and how he's right, you have this argument, you have this disagreement between Saul and God's man. Samuel, though, had been sent by the word of God. Samuel came by God's word to Saul. This was not a difference of opinion. A matter of fact, Saul, we read in verse number 1, Samuel told Saul, this is what God has said to do. Now we go a few verses later, and now Samuel, Saul is disregarding what God has said and said, this is what God wanted, and it doesn't measure up. This was not a difference of opinion. This was not Samuel upset with Saul's way of doing things. This was not Saul being held back or held down by Samuel. Make no mistake about it, this was rebellion. It was not rebellion against Samuel. It was rebellion against God. Young people, you do not rebel against your mom and dad. You rebel against God. Because God has set the order of the home. And let me just say it, you do not rebel against the pastor. You rebel against God because, God because God has set the order in the church. This is rebellion. Oh, the Internet's full of rebels who want to justify their rebellion against God. Make no mistake about it. If the church hurts you, I'm sorry, but your rebellion is not against the church. It's against God. Saul had a great explanation and story justifying himself because rebels always do. They always have a great explanation. Rebels never admit they are rebels. You can, you can just mark it down. When they're going to justify themselves, they're never going to admit 
they are rebels. I laid this foundation because I want to it, it gets, it gets something ingrained in our hearts and minds. You can't trust rebels. I preached this message tonight, and I think of what Paul, as Paul writes to that New Testament church, he says, who hath hindered you? Who hath bewitched you? Amnon had a friend. It is somebody who can be an influence on you, on me, and I don't want to speak to the rebellion tonight as, it, as a danger to us. I think I've said enough about that. You stay humble before God, and you be reminded that you didn't save yourself, but by the grace of God, you're saved tonight. You, 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 everything that is good about you is because of the work of God. It's the grace of God. Yes, you had to determine that you're going to show up where you're supposed to show up. You had to determine there's some things you're not going to do. But it's the grace of God that gives us the ability to do those things. And God has made us what we are. Stay humble. Be reminded. But I want to warn us tonight about the rebels who will harm us if we're not careful. And I say tonight, you can't trust rebels. No matter how eloquent they are, you can't trust them. No matter how many followers they have on social media, you can't trust them. No matter how flowery their speech, you can't trust them. I'm going to make four applications tonight. There's many more in this chapter, but I'll, I'll limit it to four. 25 subpoints in each one, but I'm going to limit it to four points. Let me say, when it comes to you can't, you can't trust a rebel, you can't trust a rebel's judgment. See, and this is important. we got to deal with pride when pride comes into our life and our heart. We all have a pride problem. Everybody has a pride problem. It's part of humanity. What we must do is when the Spirit of God reveals that in our own heart, we need to deal with it right then. When a message is preached and we're, we're, we, we, we bristle at what God has said. That's, that, that's pride in our own. It, it, the, 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 your, your pastor wants to help you. You don't need help. Your, your parents want to help you. You don't need help. A, a Sunday school teacher wants to help you. You don't need help. You know what that is? That's pride in your own heart. Counts, good counsel tonight is when we sense that, kill it as quick as we can. Because pride leads to rebellion. And once we get to that point of rebellion... It's hard, if ever, to come back without great consequences of that rebellion. I, we, we, we know that, but tonight I want to look at it from the aspect of you can't trust rebels. There's some things about rebels we need to understand. Rebels are always recruiting to their rebellion. They're always recruiting to their rebellion. They're not producing anything themselves, so they've got to recruit to their cause. I said, number one, you can't trust the rebel's judgment. This, this is going to help us tonight to be able to spot a rebel and, 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 and realize that they cannot, if we don't let them affect us, they can't because you can't trust the rebel's judgment. Look at verse number seven. And Saul, we know what God told them in, in, in the beginning of the chapter to, to smite them all, to kill them all, to wipe them off of the planet. In verse 7, And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest to Shur, that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. 
Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good. It would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuse that they destroyed utterly. Saul disobeyed. His judgment changed what he was supposed to do. Now, he made that decision. Why did he make that decision? If you study something, if you go back to when, when we're introduced to Saul as that first king, Samuel is such a pivotal character in the, in the history of God's people. In that connection from, from, from the, the, the judges to, that, to the prophet into that first king. And Samuel was a, a great man and Samuel was passionate about the things of the Lord. And, and as he invested in Saul. See, when we get to 1 Samuel 15, Saul's relationship with Samuel had changed. Now, did Samuel change? No. Saul changed. So if his relationship with Samuel, his man of God, changed, his judgment is going to change. Saul became his own man of God. It is a dangerous thing. It is a dangerous thing to get to the place where you, you do not need a man of God in your life. It is even more dangerous to place yourself in the same plane as God has placed the position of the pastor. That is a God-ordained position. It is a dangerous thing to become your own authority in the things of God. How had he changed? In verse number 17, Samuel said, Well, now was little in thine own sight. Saul knew exactly what he was talking about. Samuel, uh, Saul had a job when he was a young man before he came king. It was a glamorous position. It was a glamorous job. He was sent to find his daddy's donkeys. They got out. They're roaming. They're gone. Now, those of you that were in Israel, you, you got a sense of the area that, that that would have been in the fields and the mountains and the hills, and there were no fences and there were no highways. Those donkeys were, they had, he had to go find them. And as he's looking for the donkeys, he had a, an idea. Let me go ask Samuel. Maybe the man of God can tell me where the donkeys are. He has gone from that to now telling Samuel that he is wrong and that I am right. Boy, that is a change in his own judgment. His, when the donkeys were lost, he needed that. Who was it that anointed him? It was Samuel by the direction of God who placed that anointing. If you study the relationship between Saul and Samuel, it was Saul who thought the job was too big for him, and it was as it would be for any man. And he would go to Samuel and say, you've got to help me, you've got to teach him, teach me. And you find that relationship of Saul would come to Samuel, and Samuel would instruct him, and, and Samuel would impart wisdom to him. Now it's come to the place when Samuel comes to him and says, God has said, he disregards what God, God has said, and he interprets it to what he wants to do. He makes the judgment himself, disobeying God, looks the man of God in the eye and says, you're wrong. 
I'm right. And what had changed? His judgment had changed. Remember when you needed the pastor's counsel? You remember when you would say, Pastor, can you pray with me about my job, my career? Pastor, would you pray with me about direction and ministry? Pastor, will you, will you pray with me? Now, you don't need the pastor's prayer. You don't need the pastor's instruction. Well, can't God speak to me just like he does to you? He can speak to you, but not like he does to the, to the pastor. I know you'll, you'll have a hard time chewing on that one. But it's the truth. You can't trust a rebel's judgment. You can't trust it. Samuel did not change. Saul did. Saul did. Number two. You can't trust the rebels walk with God. Look at verse number 13. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Look at what I've done for God. Before Samuel could even say, What in the world are you doing, Saul? I have done, I've done everything the way I'm supposed to do it. Let me just go ahead and cut that off at the pass. Or in today's vernacular, I've prayed about it. And I'm here to inform you, pastor, that this is, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. You can't trust the rebel's relationship with God. See, if you are full of pride, I don't trust your walk with God. If you're a gossip, I don't trust your prayer life. If you're a slander and a discord slower, I don't trust your prayers. Well, I've prayed about it. So? I know what God says about discord sowing. He puts it on the same level as homosexuality. As a matter of fact, let me just throw this in here. Why would you separate for somebody who's living in a, in a homosexual relationship, but you'll defend the discord sower? You're right. You're right. I know what God thinks about it. I don't trust a rebel's walk with God. I can reflect on my own life and my own relationship with God. I know when I get full of pride, I know what my relationship with God is and is not. You know what? That's why Christians have a hard time praying because we become self-sufficient. And if you're going to humble yourself before God, you've got to get rid of your pride to have a prayer life. I know what it is to get my prayer list out and say, Lord, I need to talk to you about these things. And, you know, it's amazing. The Spirit of God can just point those, 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 those pressures, those points of pride in my own life, in my own heart. You can't trust the rebels walk with God. You know, well, well here, here he is. He's, he'd be, this would be the, the poster child, the hero of a lot of rebels today. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. I imagine Saul went to all his friends and said, I don't know what Samuel's upset about. I prayed about it. I mean, I don't know who he thinks he is. I'm not that little boy anymore that before he was, before I was uh, anointed king. But see, you can't trust 
a rebel's walk with God. Oh, and by, by the way, if anybody calls you and says, just go tell pastor that you prayed about this God's will, what they're telling you is they are so far away from God, if the Spirit of God was wearing a name tag, they wouldn't recognize him. See, pastor, you're a little, you're a little fired up tonight. I want to protect my flock. You can't trust a rebel. And by the way, I don't like my staff being slandered. I don't like my church members being slandered. You can't trust a rebel's walk with God. Say, well, they're spiritual too. I contend with you, they're not. They're a rebel. But they're doing this, they're a rebel. Just because I'm gracious doesn't mean... Number three, you can't trust a rebel's reasoning. Look at verse number 20 and verse number 21. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag the king of Amalekite, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. It's God's will that I made the change of what God said because now we have something to sacrifice to God. Well, we know what Samuel's response is. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. God would rather have to obey is better than the offering of rams. And obedience to God's word is what you and I should be focused on we need to be very careful that we don't accept justification for disobeying this book. It was not Samuel's word. It was God's word. It was not... Samuel just was the mouthpiece of God. You can't trust a rebel's reasoning where the end justifies the means. You know, I, I preached this morning that you can't worship a holy God in a carnal way. God does not accept it. You know, and, and this is something for all of us to remember, and certainly young people, as you get older, young adults, and you're seeking the will of God uh, for your life, God's will does not need to be manipulated. And mom and dad, let me help you. Moms, let me help you as you match make your kids. God don't need help. Now, sometimes, you know, a little encouragement here and there won't, 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 won't hurt them. That's not what I'm talking about. But you don't have to manipulate. God's got it under control. You can't trust a rebel's reasoning. I'll, I'll hasten to get to number four. You can't trust a rebel's sincerity. Well, Pastor, I think Paul or uh, Saul was sincere. I don't. I think so-and-so is sincere. I don't. So you judging their motives? You shouldn't do that. They judge mine. They judge others. I, I don't think Saul was sincere. You can't, you can't trust a rebel's sincerity. I'll prove it to you. Look at verse number 
30. We see a couple of times after Samuel rebukes him, rebellion is a sin of witchcraft, Saul all of a sudden decides to repent. I have sinned. You know why? Because Samuel said, God's taken the throne from you. Oh, this is serious now. This isn't the way I thought it was going to be. He repents. We get down to verse number 30. This is Saul again. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now. I pray thee before the elders of my people and before Israel, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. Saul's having a revival. I mean, there's proof in verse 31. So Samuel turned again after Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. See, Pastor, how is this proof that he was sincere, that he was, sin- he was not sincere? Because he still had not done what God told him to do. Using spiritual jargon does not replace your disobedience to God. If you're sincere, you'll obey the book. Saul was not sincere. You cannot trust a rebel's sincerity. He was worshiping, but still... Living in disobedience. We all know the jargon to use. I've already alluded to some of it tonight. But you've got to guard yourself. And quit, don't listen to what people say. People will show you. It's like, well, you know, they... they oh, I'm not even going to go there. What God requires and what God is impressed with is our obedience. That's why often you say, well, I want to rededicate my, my life to the Lord. That's great that you'd make that public, but what, what, are, you, what are you doing with your actions? I want to serve God. It's, it's what do you say, but what do you do? God wants you to obey. Are you saying to judge people's sincerity? I said, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you can't trust the rebel's sincerity. Because they were, he was insincere. I'm worshiping now. This is interesting, and this kind of sums it up, and I'll be done tonight. Samuel's response. Let me help you. People get mad at the pastor because he will not go along with their rebellion. If it's against that book, I'm not for it. And I'm certainly not going to help you go against God. I remind you, this is not a difference of opinion. What is Samuel's response? Verse 26. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee. Well, Samuel just needs to talk to him more. Samuel said, I will not return with thee. We come to verse 35. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Samuel left 
Saul. Pastor, why, why, don't you, why, why don't you go talk to him? I'm not talking to him. But matter of fact, my phone number hasn't changed. They want to call you and talk about our staff, but they wouldn't dare call me. Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about, but they may find out about it. I hope so. Because if it doesn't stop, I'll be a little more specific. Samuel did not go after them. He said, came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Well, Pastor, you're cold-hearted. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. Samuel's first responsibility was to fulfill the office for which God had placed him in. Samuel's greatest loyalty was to his God. What you'll discover in your Christian life, if you haven't been saved for very long, or if you're a young person, you'll discover, sadly, that people will change on you. Don't you leave God. You say, Pastor, it hurts. Absolutely it does. Samuel mourned, and if you study when Samuel mourned and God had to rebuke Samuel and say, basically say, get up off your face. Go anoint David. The work's not done. Go, go invest in somebody else. Go, 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 go do another work. But he mourned because he loved Saul. You study even, even Samuel's own sons. Samuel's own sons didn't follow the things of God. And Samuel's own sons were rebellion. I can imagine that old man had placed his hope in Saul. And he had invested his time in Saul. And he had said, oh, I know this isn't what God didn't want them to have a king. But if God's going to give them what they want, Saul is the best choice they have. And he had all of his hopes and dreams in Saul to help restore Israel's place. And, and help to get them back to where they would be in close fellowship with God and now Saul had gotten so full of himself but when it came down to it Samuel said I'm not going after you I'm not coming with you there was a separation of fellowship say what about restoration anytime anytime Saul wanted to make things right with God he could have I just want you to know as your pastor, I think you know my heart enough that when I preach a message like this, you know where my heart is. But I also need to say, if you rebel against God, it's my responsibility to confront you about it. If you're going to try... see. He had to be confronted because there were people who were going to die in battle because of Saul. And Samuel had to separate himself. He's not going after him. You know, it would be good for us to follow the pattern that's placed in the Bible. It might be good for some to do some unfollowing on social media tonight when you get home.
I don't understand why Christians want to follow rebels. I don't get it. Why do we glorify rebellion if God says it's like witchcraft? How many witches are you following? Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. We know that God changes his mind, takes the kingdom away from him, gives it to, some, gives it to David. I want us to be reminded tonight that we're all susceptible to pride and rebellion, but I want us to look at this and ponder these things of the fact you can't trust a rebel. We see a clear contrast between who Saul is now and who Saul was. And by the way, you can take a stand and still love somebody. Matter of fact, you take a stand because you do love somebody. And if I haven't made it clear enough, my loyalty is to God. It's to God. I love you. I hope you know that. In fact, you need to say that again after tonight. But, you know, I love you. I hope you know that. But my loyalty is to God. And if that's ever put in a conflict, I just want you to know my loyalty is always going to be to that book. With God as my helper, that's the position I'm taking. My loyalty is to God's church. I'll fight for this church. My loyalty, I'm loyal. I appreciate the loyalty my staff has to me. Let me tell you, I'm loyal to my staff. I'm loyal to these kids. I'm loyal to these families. And there's many I've looked in the face and said, I love you so much, I'll fight you for you. Don't trust a rebel. Young people, the rebel has not stayed up all night praying for you. And those rebels that like to, if this place was so bad and you had to get out of here, why do you keep, why do you keep poking your nose back in? Well, it's God's will. Who are you trying to convince? It's God's will to shorten the length of your skirts too? We must stay with God. Don't trust a rebel. Who hath hindered you? Who hath hindered you? This is a good reminder for all of us. I don't want to be that rebel. But if I don't deal with my pride, I will be. And I understand that being the pastor, there's some things that go with the territory. I'm okay with it. I'm good with it. Because I understand that truth needs to have a voice. It's good for us to be reminded. Don't don't listen to those that want to critique and criticize and tear down and 
As Samuel can walk away to somebody he invested in, I think there's a pretty good response. Why? Because Samuel had to protect himself. Let's not move our position because somebody else moves theirs. Now, I can have a difference of opinion, and I really don't care. My staff will tell you, testify, I think they will. If not, they, they better not tell me any differently. They'll, I'm pretty, I'm pretty easy person to work for. Pastor, can we do this? Sure. Do you have a preference of this way? No, I don't really have a preference. It's your responsibility. You take care of it. However you want. If, you want my, if you need my help, just let me know. I'll, I'll help however I need to help. But when it comes to the things of this book, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not budging. And you can have, it's a passion. why don't we do it, why, why don't the walls are this color? Why don't we do carpet like this? Well, okay, whatever. Especially if you want to pay for it, you can pick the color. Whatever color car you want to pick for me, I'm good with that. I mean, just. Good. Well, this is, well, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But when you take what God has said and you twist it to meet your rebellion, to match your rebellion, it makes God very unhappy. And there's people watching. There are people that was under Saul's leadership that were depending on Saul, and Saul would say, this is what we're doing now. We'd say, okay, man, that sounds good. I mean, and why is Samuel so out of, why is he so upset? Now we, now we have sacrifice. Now we have rams to offer. Now, now we have all of these things. I, now the cause of Christ can go forth in a greater way. Why is he upset? Because God said to kill them all. I don't understand that. It's not for me to understand. We would do better quit trying to understand the Almighty God and just obey the Almighty God. Well, my parents, God gave your parents, He said, obey them, obey them. Let's not let rebellion creep in. Let's certainly not be deceived. Rebels don't have your best interest in mind. Don't leave the service of the King of kings and Lord of lords because some rebel convinces you that you should be disgruntled with the life that God has given you. Those rebels don't love you young people more than your parents do. They don't love you like I love you. They don't pray for you like I pray for you. And can I just say this? If, if, you're, if, if, you, if they put up a pretty good argument, I'll put my prayer life up against theirs. See, so that's it. It's not, I'm not tending to sound boastful. But there's one God. You pray to one God. There's one word. One of us is praying to a different God. I say that I'll put my prayer life up because I know who I'm praying to. Hey, you can't trust a rebel. Don't be deceived. The ultimate rebel is Satan himself. Hey, let's let this help us tonight. Father, use your word tonight to help us. I pray that...